0: You're listening to WRUU-L-P Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. Coming up next, Art on the Air with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. Welcome to Art on the Air with your hosts Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. This is an hour long interview program dedicated to the visual arts. Each week we feature guests in conversation about their theory, practice, and current projects as well as the state of the visual arts in our community. We also play musical selections relating to our guests and engage in additional conversation about the topics presented in our interviews. So let's get started with another episode of Art on the Air. Here are your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. And this is Art on the Air, Rob Hessler here with the always luminescent Gretchen K. Hillmers.
1: Oh, now people are going to wonder what the K stands for. Hmm. Hmm. Kentucky. Gretchen <laughs> Kentucky Hilmers. <laughs> I like it, let's go with it.
0: Uh, we have a really good <laughs> episode lined up for you this week. It is going to be very much focused on First Friday... This upcoming First Friday, which is June 3rd. I mean, is there,
1: is there anything else? I mean, everything is It's Friday. such a
0: good First Friday, and it's really amazing. And we're going to have a great interview with Timothy Harding, the OnView artist-in-residence over at Sulphur Studios, who will be presenting his final project as part of First Friday. It's an untitled piece, although he might have titled it by now. He, he generally doesn't title his pieces, but... We're gonna find out, but anyway, that's gonna be coming coming to a conclusion there. But there's a big show, Juneteenth show at Sulphur Street Fair, the Hype exhibit over at Location Gallery, Meg Kettlecamp's Ghosts exhibition over at this little house gallery, and the seven-year anniversary of Starlandia. So Ooh. it's oh, gonna be. Oh, and there's
1: gonna be street performances. Yeah. Right. There's. Things and stuff happening? Is there going to be food trucks, Rob?
0: There is, but we'll talk a little bit more about that a little later because I want to give a more sort of in-depth kind of preview. Um, But before we get into the sort of main part of the show, I wanted to um, really quickly talk about something very personal here, Um, and it's an anecdote I wanted to share, but on... Monday, May 30th, my dad, Duke Hessler, passed away, and so that was, you know, just earlier this week, and I'm still very much processing all of that, and I'll admit I did kind of want to not do this radio show, but, you know, because of the grieving process, but I, I felt like I really wanted to share this story, and that I'm going to do the whole radio show if we're going to share this story, but it's just interesting here, um... So when I first... My dad's not an art guy. I mean, he's very blue-collar. Worked for a computer company for, like, his whole life. You know, very blue-collar. Art was not really a thing for him. I don't really think he much understood it. But when I had my first solo exhibition in 2012 over at Speakeasy Art Gallery up in Booton, New Jersey, and it was covered by the newspaper, I remember... Telling My dad that and he was so excited and he wanted me to send him a copy of the paper so he could have the paper and when he found out that I was like in the newspaper and he saw the image of like me, you know, on the cover of the paper and like this whole thing and the show and the talking about the show and everything like that. He, I think that was the first time that he kind of thought the art it kind of legitimized what I was doing as an artist and whether or not that's right. I mean, you know, there's still that public perception, maybe outside. um, And we could talk about, you know, the fact that I needed to legitimize myself to my dad. We can, (laughs) that's another topic altogether. But I, the reason why that's important is because I still think about that all the time today because now, you know, I'm an artist, but I also write for the newspaper and I do a radio show and I think about that all the time because, you know, I write these articles and there are maybe to like hype up a show or talk about a show or have an artist on who's having an exhibition or just even to talk about their, their own work. And the main point is to get people to go out and see the thing that they're doing. But sometimes it can have like a really big impact because that to me when I got in the newspaper and that thing, it made me feel like nobody's ever going to tell me I can't be a professional artist. Now, to what level that means, I don't know. But I think about that now when I write about people because you never know the kind of impact it's going to have on somebody You know, to cover their show, especially if they're like a new person or maybe they've never gotten media coverage before. And I know I've had people on who've literally told me that I'm, you know, writing the first ever article about their artwork and that meant so much to me and the reason why it meant so much to me was because of how my dad reacted to it. So in a way, writing for the newspaper and doing this radio show is related to that moment that I had with my dad. So anyway, I wanted to share that, Um, so uh, rest in peace dad. And. I am going to play a song I wouldn't normally play on the show before we get into everything else. I'm going to play his favorite song. Almost all of you, I am sure all of you have heard this song. It is (laughs) Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. So here's to you, Dad. back to Art on the Air. That was the song Layla by Derek and the Dominoes. I am Rob Hessler here with my co-host Gretchen Hilmers here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. We have a really awesome episode lined up for you the rest of this episode here, and that is going to be focused on First Friday, this coming Friday, june 3rd and all the amazing things going on we're going to be playing an interview that i did from the sulfur studios on view residency space actually that's not true i did we did it just outside of the residency residency space okay with timothy harding he's his construction and his table and everything it was just too much it was too much there wasn't enough space in there so we sat out um we sat out in the art southeast store area it's a
1: nice little area i love what they've done It though i do miss the couch
0: <laughs> you know what's so funny is that i brought that up to emily earl i believe it was emily earl who is one of the founders of sulfur studios and i believe that she's the executive director now of art southeast i brought that up to her and she was like She was disgusted by that couch. She was so happy to be getting rid of it. I think it was her. It was one of the three of... No, it was definitely either her or Jennifer, but I'm almost sure. I mean,
1: it was a disgusting couch, but I really... I don't know. It was just being able to sit there and talk with everybody and just hang out. Like, it it was nice.
0: There's something charming about that last remnant of sort of the punk rock origins of that place. You know (laughs) what I mean? Like, so there is, I I get that. It's gone
1: now for sure. Like it is, (laughs) that place is very, it's, it's classy looking now, right?
0: And that is of course at 2301 Bull Street. And why don't we talk a little bit about First Friday now before we get into this interview with Timothy Harding. There is going to be a lot going on. Let's start with sort of one of the biggest parts of that, and that is Art Southie, Sulphur Studios, the show that they have there, the View Residency, and then the street fair that they're doing. Because the street fair, well, let's talk about the show first. So they're doing an exhibition about Juneteenth, and I want to get the title right here, Past Presence, Commemorating Juneteenth which, of course, is really important here in Savannah. It's important everywhere, but it's really important here in Savannah. So that's going to be a great exhibition of, you know, great group exhibition, I'm sure. And it's always really powerful. Um, I got to admit, I don't know a lot of the artists that are being featured, which is kind of exciting. I know Tariq Maxwell. I know his work. uh, But most of the other artists I'm not familiar with, so it's going to be a great opportunity to also see work by artists that I'm not particularly familiar with. But what I thought was, was kind of cool is they had four jurors, and two of them are Amiri Ferris, who's amazing. I love Amiri. Um, he was a former uh, boxed-in breakout artist over at the Jepson Center. We've had him on the show I think once or twice, and um, he's done murals and stuff. He's kind of all over town. He's a, he's a great artist. And then Antonia B. Larkin, whose exhibition last year really blew me away it was kind of all about rest, and I just thought it was really interesting. Two other jurors, too, I'm not familiar with, Lisa Jackson and Billy Stoltz, But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about seeing that show. Those Juneteenth shows are always really powerful, really good shows. And then, you, Gretchen, you mentioned about the the um, street performances.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty excited about them. And, oh, sweet spice food trucks. Sign me up for some <laughs> Jamaican food. Mmm.
0: Um, yeah, but that's from 5 to 9 And Look PM. at all these
1: great names for uh, folks who are going to be vending there, right. including Chela. That's awesome. Um, oh,
0: nice. I didn't realize that. Ch- Chel Paints says Chela Gutierrez. I didn't realize that. That's awesome. Yeah. Ch- Chela's been on the show. Max Feist is also going to be one of the vendors. I'm pretty much in love with Max's work right now. One of my favorite artists in Savannah right now. That's no nothing negative about anybody else, but I'm just really into Max Feist right now. So gonna be cool to see and, them and again.
1: And painting by Zay
0: Hutchins
1: <laughs> and Nakisha Jones uh-huh. and uh, who's this? Margie Marie? Yeah, Margie oh, Marie. I'm I don't super know. I don't know them, but about and Zay, they are...
0: Yeah, and we just actually just kind of speaking of Nakisha, we just saw cool, a mural yeah. of hers over at the co- the new coffee shop.
1: Culturist.
0: Culturalist Union, yeah.
1: Look at that tired parent brain happening. If
0: you haven't been over there yet, it's really cool because they feature a bunch of different sort of artistic vendors within. And there's a back courtyard. And Nikisha has done this huge mural. Huge. I love her color work so much. And it was really nice kind of sitting out there and being amongst that space. But good coffee. And it's kind of... I like its location, too, because it's actually south of Victory. It's a long... It's still along what's that Bull Street? Bull it's on Street. Bull Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not. it's at Bull Street. but It's like Bull and 48th Street. Yeah. So it's a little further down. It's actually kind of in striking distance of our house to walk to. I mean, it's a long walk.
1: Well, it is a long walk, and you have to cross Abercorn, which is
0: Oof, that's a little terrifying. Rough. Yeah.
1: Um, or as uh, our maps programs likes to say sometimes, Abercorn. <laughs> Uh, but
0: anyway, Nakisha's going to be doing live painting, so you know that's going to be awesome. And Zay, I um, can't wait. Um, by the way, we're going to be talking to Zay in the in the coming weeks about he and and Philip Davis and all of their what they're what they've got going on. We're going to be bringing them back on. But they're
1: always cooking up something new. Um,
0: on this new thing. I'm I'm this new space that they're are opening up is just um, I can't wait can't wait music recording studio tattoo studio Zay's doing a huge mural there. Anyway, you can see why we're excited about First Friday because there's so many great artists that are doing things. Um, and then, you know, the performance artists, I kind of wanted to mention some of these folks by name. I'm not particularly familiar with them. Saltwater players, players I've heard of. But the Performing Arts Collective of Savannah, I looked them up. And they're a group made up of lots of different, like, vocal artists, dancers, things like that from all over Savannah. Emily Earl mentioned them to me. I looked them up and actually reached out to them already. I'm going to be talking to them actually for a Sunday column for the Savannah Morning News, but I'm really excited to see this. And Emily Earl was telling me that this is the first time that they've ever done this kind of stuff in the history of doing their street fair. So it's, you know, something going to be really unique. So anyway, it's from five to nine, 2301, Bull Street. And I mean, can't really can't wait for for it. Um, you know, actually I guess right now would probably be a good time to mention Starlandia since they're having their seven year anniversary event. So let me get their address while on the computer and just keep talking. Gretchen, <laughs> thanks for the help there. Really oh, you're appreciate welcome. it. Yeah. So uh, Starlandia Art Supply. <laughs> also doing something for First Friday, twenty four thirty-eight Bull Street. And Starlandia is really cool because they're the they're the only locally owned art supply store owned by Clinton Edminster, who has done all kinds of crazy, awesome stuff for arts in Savannah, like the Starland Mural Project, the Starland, the Fence Art Project. He was just
1: a constant advocate. I mean, for seriously. The arts. Yeah, he
0: basically got the art march. You know, he spent five years or helping organize the art march through Art Rise Savannah, done all these great things. And the store is going to be having a seven year anniversary. They've got some stuff going on. Or there's some art and everything. That's from actually going to be from 6 to 9, so it actually starts a, like an hour into the art march. But I'm definitely excited to go by there. I mean, we always buy the canvases for Lincoln from there, and it's kind of fun to let Lincoln, our son, walk around the store and just like find random also stuff. Also
1: terrifying because he likes to open stuff, so it's it's definitely tricky chasing a toddler around an art supply store.
0: What? What? <laughs> <laughs> non parents out there are laughing at us and other parents are like, Oh yeah, I get yep. that. <laughs> yep. Um, so that's gonna be really cool. And I wanted to also mention here is that um of course we have the on view residency, which is coming to a conclusion here, which I've, you know, I've been mentioning Timothy Harding. Um, so he is actually in from he said It's a town name I didn't recognize in Texas, but he said his studio is in Fort Worth, Texas. So that's kind of a big, you know, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. So you can kind of get a general sense of where he is on the map, but he drove up here from Texas and he brought this, basically this batch of, of stretcher bars to build a construction upon which he is adding painted elements to create this huge sculpture in the middle of the OnView residency space. So, really awesome to get a chance to speak with him. Going to do an interview. Again, this is from his space in in the OnView residency space over at Sulphur Studios. And, um, and he gets into that whole nature of like painting and sculpture. What is it? Redefining that kind of stuff. But also how he really strives to make his work really accessible. So I think it's going to be great for really anybody who stopped by like First Friday to kind of see this piece. I think it's very friendly to all different types of people.
1: Including toddlers?
0: Including That's what I was getting at. It's, <laughs> it's family sure. friendly. But I also think it's not just like, a, it's not kitty art. I'm saying it's it's got something that'll make you think, but it's also going to be really pleasing for kids to see. So anyway, without further ado, here's Timothy Harding on view resident over at sulfur studios enjoy rob Hester here with art on the air field notes i am at sulfur studios on view residency space with timothy harding the current resident working on his project and tim let's dive right in here because for people out there who don't know anything about your project haven't read press releases or statement or anything like that describe your project for people who might just be walking up looking through the on view residency window and seeing it what what are you doing here in the in the space
2: uh, yeah so I've uh, I came here from Texas I drove here and I loaded um, I brought should I say uh, 9 36 by 30 stretcher bars that one typically makes uh, a painting on you wrap your canvas around it and paint uh, whatever that may be and so I brought those here and actually uh, assemble them into a sculptural form that kind of uh, works within the kind of parameters and dimensions of the of the studio space here. And so I started off by building that. and I, I like the idea, of course, with this front street facing window and this uh, what seems to be a pretty active street here, Bull Street here, that I like the idea of people kind of passing by, uh, whether it's casually, whether they're aware, or not aware, but seeing this thing kind of evolve over a period of time. and I've been slowly, populating it with um, uh, just acrylic on canvas kind of paintings. But it's again, it functions much more as a, as a sculptural object than it does a traditional kind of painting.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting because it is like you're using all of the pieces of a painting, but it's not a painting at all. And I wonder, where did that kind of come from from you? What's your background? like? How did you get to making sculptures out of painting
2: materials? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. um, I'll say on one hand that this project and what makes it uh, unique, I think, and and important to me is uh, it's the first time that I would say I fully have committed to making a sculptural thing to be kind of navigated fully in the round. Uh, My work usually always relies on the wall in some capacity, Mm -hmm. even if it is usually has dimensionality to it. Um, But to be honest, these interests have gone all the way back to when I was an undergraduate art student. I've always had kind of a, I've always um, said I've had kind of a strange relationship with painting and I try to maintain that to this day. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I, I can, I don't know what, I can't remember anymore what initially got me to do this, but I was making these kind of, as an undergraduate student, these really kind of big, gestural, abstract expressionist kind of inspired paintings. And slowly, I just kind of wanted them to kind of start to come off the wall. And then I went to graduate school, and those ideas continued. And then I quit painting for a while, and I was just constructing with paper. But using mm-hmm. paper is this thing that I would go and um, kind of just build from, usually in a site-responsive manner. And so, yeah, I, I just I've 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 um, kind of been pursuing this over. I guess it's been over a decade now, and it's kind of the work now kind of just has manifested in various forms. So they like these kind of paper sculptural installations um, where I was kind of almost folding and making these kind of like pillows out of paper, I guess you would mm-hmm. say stapling to a wall and such. And and then that I pivoted and I had been doing these installations and I got kind of bored with them and I was like, well, how do I take this and make it back into a painting? So then I kind of just came up with this system where I would make these paintings that were, again, stretched on canvas normally as as a typical normal painter would do. And then I came up with the idea that I would make a frame that was too small. So I'd make a second frame that says anywhere from 6 to 12 inches too small in Mm -hmm. height and width. And then I would take a painting off of its original stretcher and force it to fit onto this other thing. And that (laughs) would cause... All these distortions yeah, and yeah, such. Yeah, and so, right. so this work is like very directly kind of related to the, the to those tendencies, but making it even a little bit bigger and, and wackier now than it was with those.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting you say the word wacky, but it's actually really accessible. And I wanted to pull one little quote here from the press release that I got here, which I really liked. It says Harding's work often pulls from a universal back of bank of imagery, hard edge geometric forms such as grids to evoke the familiar and engage the viewer through visual means that avoid direct narrative now that's kind of a fancy way of saying it's really accessible (laughs) like the work to me like i could see like you know you have what's one of the great things about the on view residency space is like you mentioned ordinary people like walk by school kids walk by Mm -hmm. and they can see it and it's like colorful big Mm -hmm. shapes that anybody can kind of recognize talk a little bit about that decision because I think that that's something that's really nice about it is even though you're delving into some you know kind of deep philosophical ideas and the exploration of like what is painting what is sculpture at the same time it's also like enjoyable to look at for an everyday person
2: yeah um, that's great I'm, I'm glad that you see it that way I, I've, it's something I've always I guess been conscious of when I'm when I'm working is to make something that I would I would think and hope is accessible to people. So I guess I, I could say like the, um, the quote about the geometric forms and these kind of familiar things is back when I first started doing, uh, when, I, when I switched to making these paintings on canvas, as I was saying, that I unstretch and then, you know, collapse onto a, a form, a different form. I, at that point, I knew that I needed to paint a subject matter of some sort. And at one point, again, I just kind of arrived at like, I'm gonna use the grid. And so for a long time, and the grid is present in this work through the structure of the stretcher bar itself, but previous paintings were using the grid because, again, I thought it was recognizable, even if it's not something as overt as a whatever, a plant or person or whatever, that everyone recognizes a grid. And then if I say, take said grid, which is a, a rigid geometric form, and then I take this canvas and I collapse it and buckle it and force it to fit on this frame that's too small, the recognizable grid very much becomes this right. irregular thing. And I like the idea of it having, of the works having kind of this, um, something has gone awry, something is not right here. <laughs> I love that. And and uh, and I and again, yeah, I like to think of it as, for those who are willing to engage with the work in, in any capacity, like one can recognize that stuff. And, and I do like to think that there is like a, perhaps a humor to the work, maybe a subtle humor. And I, I think get humor, that. And I think yeah. humor can be, you know, again, an accessible thing to, to, um, to reach, uh, yeah, whatever, uh, walk of life someone, the viewer may be from that is engaging with the work. You're
0: listening to Art on the Air with your hosts, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers on WRUU LP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings, community radio with Global Soul. Well, let's talk about the engagement because I think that you brought up a really interesting... I've I've been thinking about this since you said it earlier in our talk here, and that's that there's two ways sort of to experience this work. The first way is people walking by the window. And that's a very... It's a three-dimensional object in a space that is experienced in a very two-dimensional way because you can't walk around it. It's not like... You're in a gallery, you're walking around the space, and the vast majority of people that are seeing it are seeing it in that way. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second way, which is that you walk into Sulphur Studios, you go into the OnView residency space, and you walk around the space, the image, or the, the piece that you're putting together, and you can experience it from all different sides. So I wonder, like, for you, navigating that part of it because that's one of the things that's really unique about the on view residency is you have to decide this is forward facing this is the thing that i want people the majority of people to experience especially ordinary people who aren't necessarily walking to the gallery so talk a little bit about that and like kind of that dual nature of the piece being almost like a two-dimensional experience external like from people walking by and a three-dimensional experience for people who are willing to Make the journey into the the gallery itself.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Well, maybe I can I can I'll just start by saying like when I've been in there working on this thing, it's even been huh, what if I'm if I'm typically making a painting or an installation or something. Usually I'm in a space and I can kind of back away from it and I can really kind of look look at it differently. And here, like as I've been building, this thing is just like growing, almost like kind of right on top of me. And even I have it of like kind of a unique kind of relationship of how I'm even looking at it and mm-hmm. navigating it. Um, I usually don't like and I and I've been telling folks this like just as I my working process in general like I'm constantly getting up and walking around that thing when I'm in there working on it, which again, I never am used I'm never if I'm back in my studio, typically I'm not walking around something like this. So it's been kind of funny for me to kind of navigate it. So But anyways, in in terms of like people as they pass by in the street and, and it is, it's like almost like, I mean, I, I, I wasn't conscious of it, but it's like, it's almost as though it's, um, you know, looking at me through a screen or something like that in terms of the how the front window functions. And I I have quite, quite enjoyed as I'm in there working and I kind of glance over and as this thing is becoming a little bit more active in terms of the color and the form and stuff like that, definitely
0: coming together. You can, yeah. Yeah.
2: And folks are, um, I think it's catching people's eye a little bit more. So it's kind of fun for me to sit there and watch as people kind of stop and maybe give it a kind of a quizzical look and then kind of keep on moving on down the road or whatever. And so that has been, uh, that has been fun to see. Now I'll say too, though, uh, being though aware that most people are just taking it in from the street. I have been, um, as I'm working, I've been, I've been moving it around, right? So it, it is meant to be a thing that, that I'm at least trying to position it in a way so that even if people don't come in the space, if they do walk down the street regularly and whatever, how consciously or not they're taking in the project that I am trying to move it around a little bit so that I can, you know, show the different sides to it, you know, as it's coming again, I have like, I'm a little over halfway through with kind of building this thing where I want it to get. And I'm aware of certain part, portions of it that are like, oh, this part, it feels pretty full now to, to where I want it to be. So I'm going to have this side of it facing towards the street now, but I'm working on this. So now I'll twist it around. And so anyways, I'm trying to move it and then things like that to, a, to a, a, I guess, accommodate for the, the kind of removed uh, nature of how some people can come in and some people can't or whatever to look at it.
0: You said something there that really interests me, and it's kind of the way I am kind of interpreting it is like a micro versus macro view of the sculpture, because when you're working on it, and it's funny, because we're actually doing this interview outside of the space, because the space is so jam-packed, we didn't really have any space to, to sit there and talk, and so I can imagine that when you're working on it, like you have nothing you have no choice but to work on it on a micro level, like you're up against the piece. And especially as it gets bigger and as things, you know, evolve on it. So almost kind of interesting, like when, as you're turning the piece and you see it through the window, that's almost like your own first view in a way at that distance, because you're only looking at it like really close up. I wonder if you've thought about that at all, because I think that's kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean, there there was I'll just say in general, coming into this project there was a lot of unknowns because again, this is it's one of the reasons why I came here to do this. I would not have done this kind of project if I was in my studio back in Fort Worth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so this this provided me the opportunity to um to do this kind of thing and so it's all been a learning experience in a certain way, but um but it is like I, yeah, I just, this thing, I'm just, it's 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 a very close and intense experience as I've been working on it. And in some ways, I do feel like I haven't even fully seen it yet. Like, I haven't come at night. Like, I, I've started leaving the, the studio lights on so that it can be kind of a more yeah. clearly visible object in the evenings. And I feel like once I finally come here later in the evening, I'm going to really see it almost for the first time. Because even now, like, you know... There's the distraction of, of, uh, of just being outside during the day and whether it's a glare on the window or whatever. Yeah. Things that slightly... And
0: noise, just everything yeah. about it. Yeah.
2: But, and I guess that's all, of course, part of the work if it's like this kind of sight responsive and taking all of those things into consideration. So it's it. Well, I guess a long way of me saying no It's interesting how its presence changes, whether it's from me physically changing it as it grows, whether it's like the surroundings and what those... Um, lend to it, and so it's like all of those ways of, of of viewing it are are different experiences, I guess. and so yeah, in some ways, I feel like I haven't even fully seen it yet and and yeah, I mean, it's like yeah, this idea of flux and the this thing kind of changing and the atmosphere around it changing. and yeah. I
0: want to ask you, what has the response thus far been to you know people seeing it people like you know, sulfur's kind of an engaging place. there's a lot going on here. there's been. Samantha Max exhibition has opened since you've been here, and I know that brought in a lot of people. I wonder, like, what have people, how has your experience thus far been engaging with the Savannah art community?
2: Yeah. Um, well, the folks that I've met here um, at Sulphur Studios, everyone has been really, really nice, really, um, I think, curious about <laughs> the project <laughs> in a good way. And yeah, I've enjoyed the the people that I, that I see here in the building on a, on a regular basis, and the uh on saturday afternoons i'm here you know with the door open um to engage with any folks that right. want to come in and chat and so yeah there's been a there's been a handful of, of people who come in especially like um the first i'm losing track of time i guess this is just a week ago uh, <laughs> uh, the first saturday i was hanging out in there so there was nothing populated on it yet it was just the form itself right. i got that put together pretty quickly and so um, I mean, I
0: saw that and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. And I love that, though. Like, I that's the best thing is, like, something that sparks my curiosity.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that was important to me. Um, it's one of the reasons why I pre-built the structures that I built, That I the smaller structures I built the big structure from, I pre-made them so that I could hit the ground running when I got here. Yeah. And I wanted to get this thing put together and try to activate the space in some capacity. And that did happen very early on. And so... Um, yeah, that first weekend that I was here and, and um, I'll just say people from a variety of walks of life came and to talked to me that day and they all engaged with it very positively. They seemed very curious as to what was happening and um, uh, as far as I know I haven't spoken to any of them a second time but, I, but most of them <laughs> said they're going to come back and so I'm very curious to have follow-up conversations with folks here in the coming next couple of weeks that I'm still here to see what they say in terms of the evolution of this thing, but but so far, I mean, yeah, the conversations I've had with, with people here at the studios and people from just from the community in general has been really um really positive and uh, and uh, yeah, it's been, I mean it's been a great a great experience all, all around in that regard.
0: Well, it's interesting because sulfur in particular, and I think this is the case for a lot of the galleries in Savannah. It's like it's in a place where sure there's commercial activity here on this main street, but there's so much housing here, there's so many people that live here, and they're really, you know, generational, people who have lived here for generations before any of this even existed, who will come in here and engage it, and then there are, like, kind of a a younger artistic group of people who have come in recent years, and so you get, on the first Fridays in particular, you get that mix of all these people coming in, because it's a free event, and, you know, everybody's kind of coming in and engaging it, so I'm going to ask you, like, As we're sort of wrapping this up, what are you hoping people will get out of this? Because, you know, we have talked about some philosophical stuff that underlies all of what you've got going on here. But you're not going to be able to talk about that with everybody. Not everybody's going to read your your artist statement when they come in. They're just going to come in and they're going to see it. Mm -hmm. What are you hoping people get out of it when they see the final product on that first Friday?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, when I work in general, I guess, um, I always think about... Again, I've talked about this familiarity I like my work to have, whether it's, um, again, through the um, uh, geometric or visual subject matter or color, but I, I like and I hope that it's situated in a way that regardless of your uh, level of, yeah, art knowledge or who you are or whatever, that there is something that kind of pulls you into it to engage it and experience it, right? My That's what I'm always interested in um, as an artist is getting someone to just, um, Uh, literally engage with the work uh, in a like in a visual in a physical way and um, I would like to think that this is a is a piece that um, yeah whatever your background is however much you know about art or don't know about art that there's going to be something in it that can get you to engage it if you walk around it and you know it it, uh, promotes some kind of a of an idea in your mind or evokes something um, for you right because again that's like one of the With my with my choice of like resisting certain subject matter in my work, that allows the viewer the opportunity to kind of project some of their own ideas and things into it. And so I would I um I hope that uh that it that it does that for the for the folks that come in and see it.
0: I'm gonna finish with this one last question, which is actually the first thing that I asked you before we started the recording, and that's that we've been talking about your piece and we've been saying the piece, the artwork, it. Because you haven't titled it yet, yeah. which is really problematic for an art writer, I will tell you. <laughs> so what to yeah, look, yeah. Talk a little bit about that because I, you, I know you were, as we sort of started talking about it, I said, well, wait, let's talk about this on the interview. Sure. I could see that the gears turning. So talk a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Well, again, in an effort to allow the work um, to not be too specific, uh, with previous uh, projects of mine or previous artworks, usually the titles are like literally the dimensions of the work so for instance some of my my paintings the kind of sculptural paintings the title of the work would be the original dimensions that the painting was made on you know 56 by 48 and then i take it off i put it on a frame that's like 50 by 40 so the title of the piece becomes the size of the original frame on size of smaller frame nice and then maybe i'll put like uh green stripes or something like that so Anyways, I try to make them real, real. Uh, I guess just uh, descriptive in terms of what they are. But yeah, so I mean, I've been thinking about this one though, and uh, you know, on one hand, it's like thinking of this this painting, this sculpture as being this like extroverted painting. Um, so I've been thinking of it. The word extrovert's been in my head a lot in terms of this one. But I again, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to commit to that being the title for it just yet. But but it's yeah. There. Well, I
0: mean, that kind of makes sense in a lot of ways because like. It's on view, like you're, yeah. you have to, you're like exposing <laughs> yourself. I mean, you don't do that when you're normally working on artwork, it's one yeah. of the things that's so cool about the space.
2: Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see if, uh, how, I, how I go about, you know, titling it in the end as well. Something I didn't mention though, that I also, and whether it's important to the viewer, um, or not, but in terms of the how one interacts with it and engages with it in whatever visual sense that is, that it's also uh, going to be temporary in the fact that, like, this thing will get dismantled, and I, you know, very well, it may just end up in a dumpster, it may just end up rolled up and become be so and become something <laughs> else, like, it's, um, so I, I, I like the the idea, again, of this, there's a very uh, temporary nature, and um, and then the importance of, like, if a viewer does come and see this thing, in whatever way it is, they engage it like that will be, um, that would be um, how the thing is going to live or whatever. Like that, that's it, you know. And live in their minds, essentially, <laughs> like in their experience. Live in their experience yeah, in a yeah. lot of ways. Yeah,
0: that's very cool. Well, Timothy Harding, it's been a real pleasure to talk to you today. Now, if people are interested in learning more about you and your work, what you're up to once you go beyond the confines of Savannah, because I know you're. You've got the OnView Residency Instagram right now. But beyond that, once you're kind of out of here, people want to continue to follow what you're up to. What's the best way for people to do that?
2: Yeah, so my website, which is timothyevanharding.com. it's my full name. Um, I'm on Instagram at timothy.harding. And then also I show with a gallery uh, in Dallas uh, called Chris Worley Fine Arts. So any of those locations, uh, yeah, you can find me. And I hope, I hope people do. And uh, again, Savannah is Savannah's just a really beautiful place. Um, the people I've met have been, have been great, and so uh, I hope these uh, relationships continue in the future.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Tim, for coming on out on the air today. Appreciate it. Thank you.
3: This portion of WRUU's programming is brought to you by listeners and by Brighter Day Natural Foods. Brighter Day Natural Foods has been serving Savannah's healthy food and supplement needs since 1978. It is located at the corner of Bull Street and Park Avenue. They have online ordering and curbside delivery available, and now a walk-up window for smoothies, juices, and sandwiches from the deli. They are open from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. on Sunday. More information can be found at BrighterDayFoods.com.
0: What does it mean when we say that WRUU is a community radio station? It doesn't just mean that we invite the community to create programming. And it doesn't just mean that we are a voice for the community. It also means that we are counting on the community to keep us going. And you are the community. Almost all of our modest budget comes from small annual or monthly donations from listeners like you. You get to enjoy our community focused programming because many others have stepped forward to do their part. Now, do your part by joining our community of listener donors. Go to wruu.org right now and make a one time or monthly donation. And thank you for supporting Savannah's community radio station, 107.5 FM. Are you hesitant about receiving the coronavirus vaccination?
3: Contact your physician. It is estimated that 97% of all physicians have been vaccinated. What do they know that you don't know? Or talk to a friend or relative who has been vaccinated and find out why they have taken it. For more information, contact www.cdc.gov.
0: Art on the Air, Rob Hessler, Gretchen is here on WRUULP, Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. That was our interview with Timothy Harding, and he is the OnView resident over at Sulfur Studios, and his final presentation of his project will be June 3rd over at Sulfur 2301 Bull Street during their first Friday celebration from five to 9 pm. so you can check that out he'll be there I mean he was really cool to talk to very laid back very smart very very just I don't know easy to approach I think you you know he seems like a I think anybody go up and talk to him I'm sure he would enjoy that and uh, that'll be kind of a fun uh, a fun part of the overall First Friday experience. But, and I wanted to kind of shift gears here because we've been really focused on Sulfur and everything that they're doing, but they're not the only people doing First Friday events, which I think is why this is such a particularly good First Friday because it is expanded out. In fact, if I were to make, let's, let's go through the path I would take for this coming First Friday because I would start actually at Location Gallery to see the hype show,
1: start further downtown. I think that makes sense, and then, you, then you come get closer back. to our home.
0: Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with that. So that's at 251 Bull Street. It's in the Austin Hill Realty building, and the show is Hype, which is a new group show, and I believe they open at five. Although I'm not hundred percent sure, but again, it's it's Friday, June 3rd, and it's propaganda art um by various artists including yours truly i did a mixtape for this exhibition but beyond that we mentioned max feist max actually has work in this show as well and then also stacy Jean albano
1: i love stacy
0: we ran into her at slam right did we run into her somewhere else too
1: yes we saw her at slam
0: but then we saw her somewhere else too didn't we
1: Maybe in our neighborhood i don't know anymore
0: (laughs) that you've not (laughs) slept since then
1: It feels that way some days.
0: Uh, But it's all, of course, you know, one of the great things about Location Gallery, too, is that the gallery profits from every show there goes to a nonprofit organization. And in this case, it's the League of Women Voters of Coastal Georgia. So it's a great cause. If you purchase the work, the money goes to help them. And, of course, let's just say voting rights might be a major issue right now. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a major issue we'll see if i cut that out (laughs) (laughs) um so i would start there and i mean what's it's always cool because you know peter's great to talk to there's always a big gathering there of artists and non-artists which is kind of cool you get to mingle with the folks who want to come see the show because they have a great mailing list they always get a great crowd out as well and then um and then from there I am going to head on over to Meg Kettlecamp's Ghosts exhibition, which is at a house um 601 East 33rd Street. They're calling it the Nest Gallery. So, we've been there for one other show before and we actually haven't seen this exhibition yet. I ended up covering this for the Savannah Morning News, so I talked to Meg about her exhibition. I think it's really fascinating. Again, this is another artist who's kind of breaking those bounds between like uh, and what is painting what is painting and a lot of her stuff which is really which I think is really interesting has like a strong connection to nature and savannah the outdoors the the parks the squares things like that even though they're abstract so you don't necessarily see that but she's incorporating like savannah dirt and like She's hung some of her pieces up from like Live Oaks and stuff like that and, and done video projects. In fact, there's going to be a video in this exhibition of one of those pieces, but mostly she's done the stuff outside of the gallery. So this bringing it into the gallery for her and in, in speaking with her, she was really excited about how it's going to play differently from being outside to that kind of stagnant, interior space and of course this is a house gallery so it's got that savannah house feel and her work is called ghosts they're sort of that haunting and savannah feel like i could just like the whole vibe of it so um so i head on over there it's probably going to be a you know i imagine it's this is an mfa exhibition so i imagine there's going to be lots of scad kids and stuff so it'll be a younger audience maybe maybe you can convince them to follow you down to uh Sulfur Studios, or something like that, after you leave. But I think you know, going from location gallery to the Nest gallery, and then heading down to Sulfur, hitting up all that stuff there, grabbing food either from the Jamaican food or like someplace like Starland Yard, sweet spice. Sweet spice oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's going to be an awesome first Friday. If the weather's great, this is, like, the best time of year. And then, you know, things kind of slow down over the summer, so it's a really great way to kind of, like, begin the summer and have an end, kind of, the spring art season with something really fun and make a really big night of it. I'm excited because we have a sitter from three to seven. So we can go. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's weird, yeah. So, anyway, why don't we wrap up this show? Yes. Anything else you've got to say, Gretchen? I have to sneeze. Oh. (laughs) I've been wondering if it's so quiet. Um, But uh, let's finish off this show. Again, thanks to Timothy Harding for coming on the show today and doing the Field Note with us. And um, look forward to seeing you all out at First Friday. We'll be back next week with... I think it's going to be Susan Hopp is going to be on the show next week. Uh, so things got a little bit shifted up, but
1: our anyway. neighbor. She's amazing. I'm excited.
0: Yeah. Again, let's get out of here. I think we're going to have to play a song to fill in the final space, but I just want to say one last time, love you, Dad. This is dedicated to you. Let's get out of here, Gretchen. And thanks for, for uh, sitting here in the co-host chair with me and Rabbit, our cat.
1: Yes, yes. The reason why I need to sneeze. <laughs>
0: Take care, y'all. Have a good one.
1: <laughs> Take care, everybody.
0: That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM Savannah Soundings and worldwide at wruu.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU Station Archives on our website as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week where we'll have another batch of art on the air.